0: Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear.
1: I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. Listen to the Inside Carolina podcast sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyTShirt.com. Got a little football podcast. In a normal world, we'd be uh, about to preview Carolina football spring game coming up this weekend. But alas, it will not happen. Got Jason Staples, Greg Barnes, Buck Sanders with me. Jason, I'll, I'll come to you first. Uh, seems like you've been living the life during this uh, whole pandemic stuff. What's been going on in the Staples world?
0: I don't know that I'd call it being uh, that I'd call it living the life. Uh, here, here's the funny thing about this is that practically speaking, for me, not a whole lot has changed. I was I was social distancing before it was cool. In terms of my my normal everyday life, that you know, I was basically uh, you know, with the exception of commuting into to teach uh, on campus, I was doing all my work from home already, and you know, basically just constantly working out of the house. Well, now that just gives me, you know, the the time that I normally would have commuted or, or been uh, on campus when I'm not teaching. Now I'm I'm just working from the house that much more. So that's been that's actually been helpful. So not much has changed other than that. Um, the big, the big thing has been, I'm I'm trying to finish two book manuscripts, uh, to, uh, to get those out. So I don't have to, uh, to, to think about those anymore and I can get to to focusing on some of the other more fun stuff after that. So that's been the, the big, the big focus.
1: And Buck, we haven't heard from you in a while. I know that you're, uh, sheltering in place doing everything you can to stay safe what's going on but
0: well
2: I, i'm sort of in many ways uh like jason uh I, i'm i'm pretty much sheltered in place uh 24 7 365 unless i have to uh you know go to uh you know chapel hill for a ball game or for practice or you know some other sort of outing or on occasion uh play golf but uh other than that, uh, it's not been a huge change in, in uh, my everyday activity. I start day drinking around 10 o'clock and uh, taper off around 4.30, somewhere in there. Uh, but uh, anyway, uh, life is good here, and uh, you know we're just uh, ready to get more information about what's going to happen with the football season. I know we don't want to make that our uh, default conversation today but uh, yeah everything's good here
0: I will add one more thing I have gotten a couple rounds Buck mentioned this I have gotten a couple rounds uh, of golf in that I wouldn't have otherwise because you know there's only so much time before you're you're fried you know you spend eight hours nine hours working on a book manuscript and eventually it's like all right it's four I'm in that that golf course it's uh, just down the street is kind of wide open so I'm just going to go over there I heck yesterday I got a I got nine holes in and an hour and nine minutes on foot, which, which that ain't bad. What uh, are you
1: doing? Power walking through it? Pushing no, the I, baby?
0: No, I, I, I run. I run. I run them. Uh, so I, I push my. I push. I push the. Uh, Sometimes. Well, a lot of times I've got both the stroller and and I set up a rig for my uh, push cart. So I have it. It's like a pull sled. So I've got like <laughs> a, a. I've got it around. I've got it chained to my. Uh, to a to a waistband that went to a uh, an old sled for myself. So I push her, and then I am dragging that. And if you run, you can you can finish a uh, finish a round quick. I had a guy in a in a cart behind me yesterday, and he never he never came close to catching me. So the yeah, goal you- the goal of this, uh, per, if this if uh, this virus persists and they keep letting me out on that course is uh, to try to shoot around forty in fifty five minutes on foot. We'll see if it can happen.
1: Nice Barnes. <laughs> that's not the way I play golf, Greg. I know you've been getting a little bit in too.
3: Uh, not as much as I had uh, originally hoped. Surprisingly, having having kids at home and trying to uh, help them with the online learning has been uh, equal parts fiasco and challenging. Uh, I am I have a lot more respect for uh, teachers right now, and uh, not just Jason's level, but uh, certainly the elementary and middle school and high school it's it's a uh, a lot of work i'd like to be able to kick them out the door and send them to school and have a little bit of semblance of sanity in my life but uh so all that to be said not not as much golf as i would have hoped but as jason said it is a it is a nice break to get out and at least hit balls uh with a golf course nearby so we're not stir crazy constantly
1: yeah i got one
3: right here in the neighborhood hadn't
1: played a lick um yeah, I got a lot more respect for teachers. Always had respect for stay-at-home moms and also for our healthcare workers. These folks are uh, angels for sure. And um and I've got teenagers. So if we can figure out a way to parlay video games into money, if you could like play and the longer you played, the more money you made, we'd be rolling in the dough these days with those boys. Let's there, let's talk a little bit. There actually
0: are ways of doing that now.
1: Yeah, but you got to be good at it. And, uh, (laughs) their level of good is different from the real money-making level of good though. I can't complain. They stay quiet and stay out of our hair. What hair, a little hair I do have, Greg, let's talk football. Uh, Jay Bateman earlier this week on zoom, Chaz Surratt, um, as well. And if you're listening to this podcast, we're recording it late, um, in the week prior to that you're hearing this, because this is be released Monday. Uh, but, Greg, these guys are doing their best to try to stay connected. How do you think Bateman – you've heard from Longo, you've heard from Bateman. Uh, who do you think's dealing with this process better as a unit?
3: Uh, that's a great question, Tommy. And I think you have to look at it from two different perspectives. One, Phil Longo has already got his offense installed. So they are uh, comfortable with what they're doing. And, as he has said, you know, when you got a guy like Sam Howe, he's basically your engine, and whatever he can handle is what the offense is going to do and so they knew coming in the spring ball exactly what kind of offense they were going to have in place, and you know he only runs the twenty eight concepts, and that makes it a situation where uh, it's more about uh, repetitions, trying to perfect it, and so that's kind of a challenge for the offense, but in terms of the uh, schematics, it's not that that big of a hurdle. But then on the flip side, Jay Bateman, because he's got more bodies, he's finally got some depth in secondary, he's got to counter the losses of Aaron Crawford and Jason Strowbridge, uh, he's had to install a lot. And so what he's done is he basically had 12 practice periods um, because you get 15 practices in spring, you have uh, the spring game, which counts as a scrimmage, and then two other scrimmages. So really just 12 practice periods. And so he mapped out uh, online Zoom meetings with his players, 12 of them, and they meet twice a week with the players. And so you're talking about a six-week process where they're trying to install new ideas for these guys. Uh, but mentally, I'd have to say Bateman, at least in how he talked with us, is a little bit more engaged um, and embraces the situation more because of you know, what he had to deal with an army. And they have a very strict and regimented schedule. And so there are going to be days where uh a lot of days where football is not that important at Army. And so you may not have, you know, as he said, you may not have sophomores on Tuesday. And so what are you going to do? Are you going to complain about it? Or are you going to deal with what you've got? And so having to kind of adjust on the fly is something that uh, I don't know if he's perfected it, but he's, he's used to it. And um because he's been able to do that, I think him and Tim Cross, because, you know, of course, Tim had experience in Air Force, same situation, uh, they were able to come into this understanding, hey, we've had to adjust before. We're going to do the exact same thing now. Let's see how good we can do. Let's see if we can use this to our advantage while other teams maybe are struggling.
1: That's an interesting part of it, Greg, that I hadn't really thought about is the the Army dynamic. And you're right. It does seem like Bateman's on top of it a little more Um, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Buck, you know, when I I see all this and we think about how lucky Carolina is to be in year two, that's been a big thing um, in these conversations, whether it was with Surratt or Howell or Longo or Bateman or or even Hess. I know Hess needs these guys on campus as much as anybody, but they seem to be dealing with it well, getting prepared for a season that the expectations are going to be rather high.
2: True. The expectations will be high, Tommy. And, you know, you were talking about where they are and how fortunate they are and relative to some other situations. Uh, You know, you've got some situations in the uh, ACC, like uh, poor Jason uh, at, you know, his uh, other team, Florida State. Um, uh, you know, they've got a first year head coach, uh, first year, you know, mostly new staff, uh, you know, they're doing things a little bit, or want to do things a little bit differently. And every first year coach wants to instill his culture. Um, and that's really hard to do if you don't have those, uh, players as a group and you don't get to see them face to face. Uh, You know, there's some other situations in the ACC like uh, Miami has a new offensive coordinator. Virginia Tech has a new defensive coordinator. Uh, Those things, uh, without the benefit of spring ball, face time with those guys and actually getting to see them on the field. You know, I can recall uh, when there was a change in uh, head coach or offense or defensive coordinator and, I would interview the offensive or defensive coordinator and well, what do you think about this guy or that guy? And he says, I don't know. I haven't seen them, you know, on the field. All I can see is tape on them, and that's only given me a part of the story. I can see what they're doing, but I'm not seeing what they were taught to do, whether they were doing what they were told to do. I, I it's hard to understand, um, your team if you don't get to put your hands on them so to speak and and really deal with them in a practice situation so North Carolina's ahead of the game there i think uh you know we've talked about this uh, peripherally a time or two but uh bateman for example um he had to teach some of his assistant coaches uh you know his defensive scheme Last year, not not everybody on that defense was familiar with Bateman's style of and approach to defense, and so he had to first teach his coaches and then they had to collectively try to teach the players and, and that's very, very hard to do when you're trying to you know coach up forty five guys on your side of the ball, and none of them really have had any exposure to what you're trying to do. This year, you know, in his second year, all those guys coming back, you know, your Chas Rats, your Trey Morrisons, your Tamon Fox, Tamari Fox, uh, you know, Gimel, all of those guys, they they already have had a year's worth of experience and exposure to Bateman's uh, style of defense. And in turn, they can take on coaching the newer players, the freshmen and, and other players that aren't quite as immersed in, uh, the details of Bateman's defense. So, uh, that's a real benefit, uh, for North Carolina that they've had that year under virtually the same staff has only been a couple of staff changes, a tight end coach and, uh, the, uh, linebackers coach, uh, DeWitt but DeWitt worked with uh, Bateman and Army so he's up to speed on it so they have a great deal of continuity in terms of what they did last year and they can use that continuity and get some carryover going into 2020 whenever that kicks off so they're they're in a pretty fortunate position overall I would say. Jason a lot of people talk about or coach Dean Smith
1: to say all the time the biggest jumps freshman and sophomore year well is that a fair assessment of a coaching staff could could the biggest jump be from year 1 to year 2 despite of it all for this staff and this team
0: usually you expect that yeah uh and 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 it's because of all the stuff that Buck just said that you're used to working together i mean it's 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 as simple as okay how are we going to run practice i mean do you do you run from this drill to this drill how does you know what's the normal uh procedure to make sure that this that these reps are maximized that all of this stuff is done on time and that it works together it takes a while just to get that right just to go okay I know that we're going to go from this period to this period so I got to make sure we get this in this way and that the and and to make sure that the other thing that people don't think about is you think about the support staff all the way down to equipment managers in terms of you've got to have equipment in the right spots for practice not to get bogged down by guys trying to rearrange things and all of this. It takes a while just to get used to having everything in the right places and organized in such a way that there's that it it feels like there's never anything moving around because the, the equipment people have already gotten everything set up for the next period by the time you're you're moving, all of that stuff gets, you know, organized that's organizational memory. And that stuff first year you're still learning on the fly with that and all of those uh all all of that support staff they're also learning on the fly year two they've done it before year two they're people they're the veteran support staff people the veteran equipment managers everything all the people that are moving you know moving this stuff around those people know where they're supposed to be so that stuff also really helps and really matters Uh, and then you add to that that You've got your base stuff in, coaches know what they're doing, players know what they're doing, and you can start to you can start to get fine stroke detail instead of you know the the, the broad stroke stuff that you have to work with that in that first year so yeah, year two, you usually expect that to be where you're going to you really get to see what level of improvement to you can expect from a from a coach, and that's why a, a lot of national championships. If you look at the at the coaches who've won national championships in the past 20 years, frequently it's been in year two of being with that program. And if it's not been in year two, it's usually been in year three, because those first couple of years is where all that stuff happens. And generally speaking, the programs that are capable of winning national championships recruit at that level already and they've just there's been some other issues and so all of a sudden you get another coach in there and he's stepping into really good talent and that's where you see the jump well this is where year two under mac you would expect to see that jump especially with a a a sophomore quarterback who is starting as a true freshman and everything else uh yeah this is exactly when you would expect that the the question is as we've all talked about how much COVID 19 impacts that but I, i do think buck hit it on the head and and Bateman alluded to it in his own or actually directly mentioned it in his own uh, press conference. He said, look, if we were in year one with this, this would be this would be really hard. And uh, he said, but now, I mean, we're 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 teaching guys that already already kind of know what we're doing and we're working to make sure that they can understand certain things better. Well, that does help. You know, I I certainly wouldn't. And and Buck, you're right. I certainly wouldn't want to be in the situation of Mike Norvell and that staff down in Tallahassee. Trying to completely overhaul, you know, systems on both sides of the ball with with an, uh, a completely different coaching staff and everything else, and then having this happen, you don't even get your spring. Yeah, that's good luck with any any first year coaches or coordinators. This is really really going to be tough. It's going to be hard for everybody, but first year first year guys they're really going to have a hard time. And like you said, there's some first year coordinators on Carolina's schedule, which that can only, that can only help. I mean, I think comparatively Carolina's at an advantage here, especially given the continuity, given the type of systems that they run and and the, the, how uh, adept their, their coordinators are at handling this kind of thing. I mean, both coordinators are capable of using technology well and all of that, that stuff matters. And I think Carolina is actually a bit of, this is actually a little advantageous for Carolina relative to a lot of other programs that are on their schedule. So We'll see how that goes. The, the thing that's unpredictable is what's happening in terms of players being in condition and everything else. And that, that, you know, we'll, we'll see how that, uh, that goes anywhere. And, and, you know, that's a total unknown, I think.
3: Yeah. And I do think Jason's clearly right about first year coaches having the challenge. Um, but I do think some of this is, is um, overly dramatic in terms of preparation Uh, I think we can all remember back and I'm curious, Jason is however many years removed from, uh, playing at Florida state, Jason, were you in year round conditioning deals, uh, back then, even, even 20 years ago, we were,
0: we were, so when I first got to Florida state in 2000, uh, during the off season, uh, we were about six and a half hours of of dedicated conditioning, lifting, and uh, seven on seven time per day. So, uh, I mean, I could go, I could still walk you through the uh, the the time commitments each day. But generally, you'd get up and you'd have your your first lift uh, in the morning. You'd do breakfast, then you might have a second lift. We oftentimes did two lifts. Uh, and then we'd have our, uh, our actual conditioning time where we do plyometrics and and sprints and that sort of thing, uh, in the afternoon. Well, first year it was in the, in the evening. It was, uh, uh, there were two, there were two, two sets. So 2000, we had, uh, you could either do the two, two o'clock time or the five o'clock time. Uh, and then, uh, and, and you'd have an hour of that. And then we had six o'clock, there would be, uh, a, um. The whole team would get together for basically we'd run through a we'd run through a, a, a player led practice where we'd have one on ones with the wide receivers and DBs and then we'd progress to pass skeleton and everything else while the linemen would work one with one another on technique for and that would be about an hour hour and a half so it was about six and a half hours every day of conditioning and uh, technique work in two thousand now we may have been different than everybody else. I mean, we we always like to pride ourselves on thinking that we, we worked harder than everybody else. And I'm not sure every other, other program did that, but we were doing that in 2000.
3: All right. So maybe I need to go back a little bit further. And uh, Jason was not the, the good person to go to there. I should go back to Tommy's days or even Buck's days. Um,
1: <laughs> you just roll up on August one and go play.
3: <laughs> right. And that's what, that's what uh, Bateman said, you know, at the D three level, you, they show up the day before training camp and they have everything ready to go by, the season kickoff. It, my, my point more is, does everybody take a hit from this? Yes, for sure, especially conditioning-wise. Is everybody in the same boat? Yes. Uh, and so I, I do think the installation of, of schemes is, is problematic, and you're not going to have guys as conditioned as you would like, but because everybody's playing to that same level, um, maybe the quality of football is a little bit lower whenever we do get back, but I think it may not appear that way because everybody's gonna look pretty much the same. And it's the people, and you know whether Bateman's able to do it or not, but the people with that mindset of saying, okay, how can we find a little bit of an advantage here? How can we make this work just a bit? I mean, we're not talking about you five know, is, percent is significant in this conversation. If you can capitalize and get ahead here, maybe that pays tremendous dividends. Whereas if everybody's going through and doing exactly what they've always done maybe you don't see that gap.
1: Let me uh let me take a break because I want to keep, continue to discuss this because it's an interesting topic, and, Buck, I'll come to you after the break, but uh, let me talk about Johnny T-Shirt briefly. And, I, and We talk about them every time on this podcast. I think I need to mention them more so now. They're a small business. They're locally owned and operated, and they need your help. You need to order Johnny T-Shirt gear, Carolina gear, from johnnytshirt.com as much as you can can't get there in, on Franklin street online is a wonderful resource. They're constantly having sales. They're doing whatever they can to get your business. And of course, inside Carolina and our customer base with inside Carolina, if you're a premium subscriber, you get 10% off whatever sale. So you've heard Joey Powell on his podcast, talk about it. And you've heard other people mention they've bought gear from Johnny t-shirt on sale. And then you get 10% off if you're a premium subscriber Visit them on the web, visit them on Franklin Street when everything's back up and running. Keep them going, keep all your local businesses going, but especially our sponsor, Johnny T shirt and Johnny T shirt.com. Going to take another break for the national guys to pay the bills. We'll be right back. All right, we're back. This is sort of our, our spring closing football podcast that never happened. We've got Jason Staples, Greg Barnes, and Buck Sanders. I'm Tommy Ashley. Jason, I'm going to come to you right out of the break because I know you had something to add on this discussion of how this all has affected people. I don't want to um, lean on the COVID crutch so much, but I think it is relevant. So tell me why some teams may have a bigger benefit than others. Um, And it could be. It's not just, you know, team to team. It could be individual player to individual player.
0: Yeah, this is something I I agreed with everything that greg said up to one one statement which is is everybody in the same boat is it going to affect everybody the same that part i don't think it's going to affect everybody the same and 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 the 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 main reason is and like you said it's not just team to team it's player to player because resources matter so i for example i've got a have got a gym in my garage i have uh you know i've got i've got dumbbells from uh, 15 pounds up to up to 70, no, up to 95. I've got, uh you know, let's see, it's about uh, 700 pounds of bumper plates and, and, and an Olympic lifting platform and a pull up rig and everything else in there. I can do my normal stuff out there. If you don't have access to that, well, you're going to have a different experience when you're social distancing than other people might. And this, this is the sort of thing where if you're a player and you have access to those kinds of weights or that kind of, that sort that sort of thing during the, during this process, you can continue to, to, to train and work as though nothing has really appreciably changed. There are other players who are from areas where, look, I mean, the, the best you got is you got the hill up the road <laughs> and you've got no access to any equipment because you don't come from any sort of money there's no you didn't have you didn't have your your high school barely had lifting equipment and it's it's closed you can't get over there so that that part is going to impact unfortunately the people who are already disadvantaged in terms of resources more than people more than the people who are coming from places where, you know, you had your own individual quarterback coach and everything else, those kids are not going to be as affected as the ones where, you know, they just don't have the resources to be able to just go and train when they're in social distancing situations. And then on the program level, you know, apparently Alabama sent all of their all of their scholarship players Apple Watches, <laughs> which is, you know, the NCAA, of course, is, has wanted to make sure that, you know, oh, you can't monitor your players to make sure that they're, well, you know, Alabama, I'm sure, is saying, "Well, we just want to make sure that you know, that their sleep, uh, that, that their sleep cycles are are are, uh, are are good and whatever." I can tell you right now, what Alabama is not really concerned about. They're, they're not concerned about you know their study time or whatever on their on their watches. But this is a way to make sure that their players are are hitting certain heart rate zones and that sort of thing in the in the in the programs that are sent out. I would love to get a chance to talk to Hess to see what they've done in terms of making sure that their players are still able to train the way that they need to as best as possible and are in a situation where they're not, they're not losing out. I know a lot of programs around the country, you talk to some of these, these strength coaches and they've actually taken equipment and they've sent equipment to players, you know, dumbbells, barbells, you know, these sorts of things uh, that it's on loan and the player needs to bring it back. But Look, you guys, you guys need to have some of this stuff or weight vests, any number of things, this stuff getting sent and that that's where resources in the program matter, because you've got to have the ability to, uh, to, to take some of this stuff and say, okay, we've got 13 guys on our roster that have no access to workout equipment, we've got to send these things that are that are minimal so that they can actually get these in customized, you know, quarantine style workouts to make sure that they that they're not going to be in a bad spot when they come back. That's the sort of thing where, you know, Hess is the next coordinator that I would really like to to hear from from uh, on the Carolina side to to hear what they're doing because I know he's a super smart guy, super organized, and you can bet that Carolina has done uh the very best thing the very best they can with the resources that they have to ensure that their players are still able to train and and, and do what they can. Uh, while they're while while we're still in the social distancing uh, era,
1: it's fascinating, Buck. You know, it's not like like Greg mentioned going to us for the old school stuff. I mean, you're gonna have a lot of guys that need to show up, get the country strong on. I guess, but you know, as far as the play, actual play on the field, do you think it'll be sloppy when they return, or you know, how how you think the actual play will be?
2: Yeah, I I would say probably uh, everybody is going to look a little sloppy. You know, when you have uh, fifteen spring practices, you can uh, you can hone some of people's skills, make sure they do the right thing. uh, You know, get them lined up right and all that sort of thing, and they're going to miss all of that unless they get extra practice time uh, in the uh, you know during when the, they start back up there's been some discussion that instead of the normal uh length of football camp they might extend that by a week give them some extra practice time so uh you know but i think pretty much everybody is going to be more sloppy and, and i don't want to really circle back to this topic cuz I, I think we've sort of kicked it like a rented mule but um uh, the uh nutrition aspect of it uh comes into play too i mean the the workout and all of that is uh you, if you have access to equipment and all that's a big thing but they're not getting the same nutrition they would be getting if they were you know in chapel hill uh you know in uh finishing out the spring semester so that's another aspect to it greg let me ask you i wanted to ask about Chaz since we
1: heard from him on zoom earlier but Let's talk about that nutrition a bit. And Jason mentioned programs sending guys weight stuff and and whatever. But, you know, how much does the NCAA allow for something in regards to the nutrition issue? Uh, I mean, is there a protocol there that kids can be sent not just meal plans, but food? I mean, they'd be getting food normally if they were on campus. How does that work?
3: Well, what they're doing is because they do have a nutritionist, uh, the the initial hope, and this goes back to what Mac had said from day one, kids that are self starters uh, are in much better position in this situation than kids that are not. Uh, Some kids just need a a kick in the rear. Uh, I've got one in in this household kind of like that. Uh, And so the hope is that before they leave, before they left, uh, for for spring break back in March a month ago now that they had an understanding of what was expected from them with their dietary needs. Now beyond that, uh, they're able to take photos and send it in to the nutritionist and say, "Hey, you know, this is what I'm eating today. Uh, am I hitting uh, macros and all those kind of things?" So they're trying to work around it that way. Um, one of one of the issues I know with the uh, with the weights, for example is initially uh, Brian Hess and his staff was able to run workouts where the guys had weights or they were bodyweight exercises because, as Jason said, some guys have it, some guys don't, at least have access to it. Uh, And you could actually run these Zoom conditioning groups and watch what the guys were doing. Well, the NCAA came out very quickly and said, nope, can't do that. Uh, Everything shut down, so all you can do is you can take a video of the coaches performing exercises and then send them to the players. But because they're voluntary workouts, they can't actually watch what the kids are doing. Um, and so those are some of the hurdles. And that's a good example of the NCAA trying to figure this out as we go along, uh, as well as Brian Hess and uh, the dietary needs. So, so, so really it's just a matter now with the nutritionist. Uh, is, is trying to fine-tune you know, what these kids can have, what they have access to. Um, and really, y- y- you are limited because the way that North Carolina handles their cost of attendance, you know, some schools do it by semester, some do it by year, which seems crazy to me. Carolina does it by month. And so before the kids left for spring break, uh, UNC made the point, or when they knew this was coming, they made the point to go ahead and cut the April checks So the kids would have that money in hand so they at least could get the appropriate food in place um, to make sure they have that on site. So you've got a combination of education that they've tried to work with the kids prior to all the situation. They're doing some uh, communications between the SNC staff and the nutritionist to help the kids with that. And they've also provided uh, that that money coming to the kids so that they have funds to be able to go out and, and buy the appropriate food. But all that to be said, uh, if the kids don't have that self-starter mentality and they're not dedicated to these goals, none of that matters. You, you can't walk them through the process like you could on campus. And that, that's one of the challenges in a lot of different areas for, for this this team and for teams across the country.
1: You know, that leads me to a, a thought about attrition and, and um, using spring ball to maybe weed some more guys out, Jason. And, I mean, I, I don't know how it'll work. I don't know how it'll, it'll play out with attrition or whatever, but I think the coaching staff will learn a ton about their players that they might not necessarily learn during all this. Is that a fair statement?
0: I I'd say I'd say yeah, that's definitely a more than a fair statement. I can tell you right now these coaches are going to be very interested in paying close attention to who comes back having done what. Because it does tell you how committed a a player is going to be is to basically what you're wanting to do, and yeah, there are certain extenuating circumstances that can that can have that can have an impact, especially given the unemployment rate and everything else right now. And and again, resources are a major major factor here, so you have to grade on a curve to some degree, but it does give you some indication of how committed to the vision of the program and to the team overall players are are what you're going to get when they're when they're getting back and so yeah this is definitely another another weed out and if you're if you're coaches you're hoping that this just leads to greater leadership on your team and more self-starting and more emphasis on on the goal and all of that but inevitably it's not going to for every player and that's the sort of thing where you get to determine you get to see who wants to be uh wants to be a part of this and and who who really is gonna is gonna be a leader moving forward that that stuff uh the cream rises to the top in these kinds of situations
1: yeah i thought that was you know a lot of people were fretting especially on inside colina message boards you you got to have scholarships and signing classes and all this and how are they going to deal with that you find out a ton about a person, what they do when nobody's watching. And I know that Carolina's monitoring their players, but they're not um, – it's not the same as if they were on campus. So I think that is a a relatively fair discussion. I'm glad you agreed. Let, let me talk about one player, Greg, and I've been wanting to get to him and we sort of mentioned him a little bit, but a guy like Chaz Surratt. I mean, he has a year that he had last year. Um, he talked about in his Zoom interview – Going over tape against South Carolina and really seeing how he's progressed throughout the year, I think he's in a unique situation. I'm not exactly sure what they're doing, but he talked about working out with his brother and going up against another high high caliber athlete every day, um, right there, whether it's in Chapel Hill or at home or, or whatever. But you know, his progression into this season, um, in your opinion, what is his ceiling? as far as a linebacker for North Carolina. And, and, you know, I don't know if it's fair to him, but if he had played linebacker throughout, would it be much higher? I, I think he can still reach where he's going. And I think the quarterback situation that he went through has actually helped him more than if he was a linebacker pure and plain from day one.
3: Oh yeah no doubt about that and uh, he mentioned that several times last year of being being in the uh, defensive uh, backfield whatever you want to call it um, knowing from a quarterback's mindset of how he's progressing through his reads what he's looking for at the defensive line um, you know what wide receivers may be doing when they're shifting what a guy may be doing when he's going in motion because he has a, a very uh, thick uh, knowledge base there in terms of, Hey, we, we tried to do this, you know, when I was quarterback and this is why we did this this is why we did this. He has an understanding of how offenses are designed. And, you know, that's, that's a big part of it. Um, because when you're studying game tape, you're trying to figure out what the other side is doing. Um, and so I, I think that's helped his progression tremendously. And I th- it's interesting because you look at his, uh, his numbers last year and they were impressive. And I watched him, you know, of course he got better over the course of the year, but you watch him in a lot of games. And you're like, man, he, he was right there. He could have made that player. Ah, I just, just missed it there. And and talking with Bateman, Bateman's like, yeah, it's really just a matter of angles. And you gotta get a lot of reps in to be able to understand exactly what angles you're supposed to be taking to make those tackles more, more possible. Um, you know, I think he, I know he led the team. I think he was – he may have led the ACC in missed tackles last year, uh, which which for one tells you that Bateman did a good job putting him in position because he had 115 tackles, but also that's an area where he can improve. And so I think that's probably something that hurts him in spring ball. Uh, but, again, as you mentioned, with his ability to get out with his brother, um, and you know he's, he's been up in Chapel Hill, so I'm sure the guys are getting together in some form or fashion, you know, small groups of them, uh, and, and getting some work done but you're working on those angles uh, is something you really need to be able to do like in, in seven on seven and not having that ability, I think does hurt. But in terms of potential, I mean, you know, if he makes the, the strides uh, this off season that he made last off season and then through the course of the year, uh, I think he's, he's got great potential. He's such a freak athlete um, that, and he, he you know, he has the mental capacity because he did play quarterback, so he can handle a lot of things in in, uh, in that way. So uh, I don't know how to put a number on it, but um, I think certainly a guy that can be a a pretty good draft pick, um, first rounder, probably not, but mid round, sure. And uh, you know, maybe another the first team All we'll SEC honors, which you know, we we haven't seen many of those at linebacker come through North Carolina in the last twenty years, so. I think the ceiling he's already set is pretty high, but he certainly can expand on that.
1: Jason, Chaz's ceiling in your mind, in your opinion. I mean, this kid, he checks all the boxes physically. Um, And like Greg said, you make 115 tackles or so, but you lead the league in missed tackles as well. I mean, you're looking at 130, 140 tackles in his last year, possibly. I mean, where does that put him on on the scale as far as the next level.
0: I think his ceiling falls somewhere between uh, Jalen Smith. If you remember that name from when he was at Notre Dame, I think he's a pretty comparable body and, and uh, athletic profile to, to Jalen Smith before Jalen Smith uh, had that catastrophic knee injury. And he's turned into a pretty good NFL player anyway, but um, J- somewhere between Jalen Smith and Bruce Carter uh, would be the ceiling and uh you know i think he is in position to be the best linebacker at north carolina since carter he just has to clean up some of those angles and the other thing that he has to do it's not just angles a lot of it's angles but some of it also is a little bit of ta- of of tackling technique and making sure that he uh that he handles the the wrap process just a little bit better because there are a lot of a lot of cases where even when he wasn't in the worst angle a guy who's used to tackling more is going to bring that guy down because he's not going to. There were a lot of cases where he slid off of off of a tackle, or he just didn't get his arms fully wrapped around. He did a lot of um, where he'd get his shoulder on, but wouldn't actually extend his arms enough, for, and 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 fully get the guy in his grasp enough before missing the tackle. That's something that, again, coming into season two. You expect him to to improve on pretty significantly, especially since they've got the 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 difference the 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 Jay Bateman way of 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 working on uh, tackle technique, which that that's something that Bateman said last year at the uh, at the coaching clinic. He said, you know, it's going to take a, a little while to get that technique and and the the reps necessary to have the team tackling the way that he wants. But by year two or year three, you should see a, a pretty big jump there. That's something that with with Surratt, I I would expect to see a, a jump in year two in particular, and that puts him. I think again, his athletic profile is is freaky for a for a linebacker. Uh, I mean, I think one of the things that people don't realize is how tall he is. He's 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 got some length, and uh and that that also makes it so that he should be able to wrap a little bit better. And when you add that to the to the quickness and, and fluidity profile, I think he's got first round potential uh, in terms of, of draft potential. He just has to clean up some things to show that he's going to be able to tackle consistently at the NFL level. And then he, he becomes a, a real possibility there because of the athleticism. So I think that's where I would put the ceiling ceiling of course, does not mean that a guy's going to get there, but, that's that's I think where the possibilities lie and that's pretty pretty high I mean I think he's an unusual prospect there and uh North Carolina is certainly going to miss him when he moves on
1: some good comparisons there You, you get the football juices flowing when you start talking about Bruce Carter at linebacker at Carolina Buck of course Carter a guy that everybody listening to this podcast is very familiar with but one thing these podcasts do for me Buck is get me more and more excited to see some football <laughs> now more than ever but just sort of close us out on your on your overall thoughts on basically everything Carolina football everything um, I see going forward from here I mean this is an exciting time uncertainty certainly brings for me at least breeds a little bit more excitement I don't know maybe I'm weird but, but your thoughts on
2: everything well uh, before I get there I want to tell uh, one of my favorite Bruce Carter stories um uh, I forget exactly which game it was uh, but I, I think Carter had some really crazy stats that game it was really unbelievable like uh I mean, he may have recovered or forced a couple of fumbles uh had like well over double digits in tackles and so on and so forth and at that point in time mark Pascal was the uh the middle linebacker and he was also uh, one of the guys so he was kind of a go-to guy for the media and uh so when he was being interviewed uh, he said that he was gonna go out and buy some Bruce Carter pajamas uh, and wear them uh, so uh and, and it was that kind of game and he was capable of those kinds of games and, and i I think once uh this season kicks off whenever that is, we'll see some games like that for Surratt where he's one of those guys that's actually capable, you know, on a uh, on that level of a Bruce Carter level of almost taking a game over defensively. So uh, that's probably something we'll get to see in 2020. As far as everything else goes, Tommy, uh, you know, it's, it's just uh, frustrating, I think uh for particularly in this year. I think it had this been, I don't know, uh oh three or you know, oh oh two or oh three that time period, I don't know that there would be uh the amount of frustration that we're seeing right now because North Carolina is going to be pretty good in football. And Uh, You know, I I think they've got a very uh, solid floor uh, for whenever football starts back up. And I don't think if we know for sure what their ceiling is. So, um, you know, I think it's very frustrating for the IC staff that covers football and, you know, for our readers and subscribers that uh, the season kind of uh, has gone into hibernation uh, because of the pandemic. So we're all dealing with that. And, and of course we realize that that's not the, the biggest thing that most families out there are dealing with these days. They've got a ton of other stuff to deal with. And, uh, so, uh, we try to keep some perspective on it, but, um, you know, it's just, uh, you're talking about you can't wait to see some football get started. I, I think that's kind of where the entire football world is, the co- entire college football nation is at is uh, the concern about when it's going to start, what it's going to look like. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of talk recently that they might start the season in February. Uh, and who knows what will happen. I, th- I think it's going to be very difficult for every. Um, college athletic department not to have football in in 2020 in some shame uh, some form or fashion. Uh, there's just too much revenue at stake for them. But when exactly that's going to happen, we just do not know. Uh, and uh, but we're, we're going to keep covering football just the same as if it's going to start on time until we know better. Yeah, I, I saw something
1: said. You know, it could be four point one billion dollars lost for P five. I don't know if that number is accurate. Seventy eight million or so a school. They're going to play football one way or another. Um, I think. I Think they have to. You're going to see a lot of belly up athletic programs across the country. We'll I wouldn't keep be talking
0: surprised to-, to see football played in the spring. By the way, uh, if if it gets delayed, I wouldn't be surprised to see football transition. They're they're going to play it, but they'll they might end up playing the season, the whole season in the spring if they have to.
1: But how, and that's another whole discussion. But how they'd be playing that and college basketball at the same time? I mean, that is
3: you can't right. afford the loss of revenue. This is not that's right. And you, know, to you a can't certain, manage it.
2: Yeah, to a certain extent, Tommy. They already do play uh, basketball and football at the same time. There's you know a, a little bit of crossover there at the end of the year. Uh, so I I suppose you could have them going on at the same time. The crazy part would be. You know, we were talking about, start, you know, the, the, there's been a lot of talk recently about the season starting in February. So you 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 uh, go to camp in February, you play March, April, May, and June, and then you have your, I guess, postseason, and then you come back in August for football camp for the 2021 season. That's going to be really crazy uh if you think about it in that way so uh you know we we might not see football until you know february of next year of 21 but when we do we might see it for a year continuously almost uh, so that's going to be crazy uh, we go
1: from nothing to like an entire year sports from 8am to midnight every day yeah to be the shortest and be you're like talking a about
2: two week off season
0: You talk about inside Carolina staff being all hands on deck times a hundred for a while.
1: Greg, you better get your clone up and running, buddy. (laughs) It's been fun, boys. It's always fun to talk a little Carolina football with Jason Staples, Greg Barnes, and of course, Buck Sanders. I'm Tommy Ashley. You've been listening to the Inside Carolina podcast sponsored by johnnytshirt.com. Take care of them. Inside Carolina will take care of you with your sports needs. We'll be right here. We'll talk soon.
0: Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase.